This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, I think this is all somewhat political. Obviously, uh, President Biden's been over in Europe discussing the pressing issues of the Ukraine. But one thing on the undercard, if you like, has been data transfer between the EU and the US. This is Tom Fox. Welcome to Life with GDPR. In this episode, Jonathan Armstrong and myself take a deep dive into Privacy Shield 3, the successor to Safe Harbor and Privacy Shields 1 and 2 that have been negotiated by the United States and EU. It's pending final approval, and hopefully it will give corporations the certainty they desire regarding data transfers from the EU and the United Kingdom to the United States. It's an important issue. I know you'll appreciate this episode. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll be back with Life with GDPR. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox back again with Jonathan Armstrong for another episode. Uh, We had some pretty big news come out of the EU this week around potentially a Privacy Shield 3. So with that introduction, Jonathan, first of all, welcome back. Thanks very much, Tom. So uh, what uh, came about uh, that led to a breakthrough that we could perhaps get a Privacy Shield 3 back, Jonathan? Well, I think this is all somewhat political. Obviously, uh, President Biden's been over in Europe discussing the pressing issues of the Ukraine. But one thing on the undercard, if you like, has been data transfer between the EU and the US. And of course, here, we're not talking about the UK being involved in that because the UK is trying to strike its own deal with the US on cross-border data transfer. So the history of this is that there was originally a scheme called Safe Harbor, and the courts decided that wasn't safe. It was a scheme that had been used for around 10 years to legitimize the transfer of data from the EU to the US. The Uh, Safe Harbor scheme was struck down by the uh, European Court of Justice, and it was replaced somewhat uh, um, later by a scheme called Privacy Shield, and that was also struck down by the same court. And both cases involved a privacy activist called Max Schrems, and they effectively emerged out of a dispute that he'd had with Facebook. And so uh, Safe Harbor was removed, Privacy Shield, its successor, was removed, and the EU and the US are having a, a sort of a third attempt, if you like, to try and fix 
the issues that the ECJ highlighted in its knocking out of Privacy Shield. And the critical thing here was the concern by the court that the US intelligence community was not subject to any rules or regulations. Now, in Privacy Shield, there'd been an executive order signed by uh, Obama that sought to impose some limits on what happened. And it seems to me as if the plan looks similar again. And we don't have the full details of the agreement, and it's sort of an agree-to-agree at this stage. But what we're told uh, there is going to be is a new set of rules and, quote, binding safeguards with the attempt to limit access by the U.S. intelligence authorities. And the plan is that the U.S. uh, intelligence agencies will have to have proper oversight, new civil liberty standards, etc., The second thing is a planned two-tier redress system to investigate and resolve complaints, and that'll include a data protection review court. The third element will be what are called strong obligations for companies processing data from the EU. And the uh, final element will be the monitoring of the uh, systems and uh, and reviewing them, but to be fair, all of this seems, you know, deja vu all over again. The there was a plan originally to bring accountability to the U.S. Uh, intelligence authorities. There was a planned redress system that was uh, hampered somewhat by the U.S. administration changing for a while. I believe we had an appointee who was looking at redress and review who was also uh, a specialist in anti-whaling measures. Uh, We have had these, quote, strong obligations, but they rely on corporations themselves. There's no element, there was no element of certification under uh, either Privacy Shield or Safe Harbor. There was a part of the U.S. Department of Commerce that would check that people had paid the fee, and they, in later years, would review things like privacy policies to check that the correct wording was there. But there was nobody holding these corporations' hands to the fire, as long as they self-certified that they would abide by the principles. Then there was nobody checking. So... I guess my worry is that we're potentially repeating the same failures. Of course, corporations want certainty. There are only a limited number of ways in which you can legitimize the transfer of data from the EU to the US. One of those is consent, which has been chipped away by the courts. So consent is not really an option, particularly for transferring employee data back to the mothership or operating PeopleSoft systems or global HR systems. The second is standard contractual clauses. And as the avid listener will know, uh, standard contractual clauses have been through a new iteration. So there's all sorts of changes, both with 
the EU standard contractual clauses and the UK IDTA, the UK equivalent. And that takes some time and effort to catch up with uh, for corporations. And the final one being uh, binding corporate rules. And binding corporate rules is perhaps something that many corporations want to explore, but the take-up of the BCR system is relatively low. So in short, I'm not sure if it is the breakthrough that many had hoped it would be. And of course, the other aspect of it, which I can explain if you want, Tom, is the likelihood of challenge as well, I think. Well, first of all, we have to uh, acknowledge the importance of the U.S. whaling industry. All American literature begins with Moby Dick, so we have a long and honored tradition uh, of that. So I'll make no comments on the British whaling industry. But I think we do need to discuss the potential challenges from this. And uh, you've interviewed Max Schrems. I'm not sure you'd call him a friend, but you certainly, I believe, would be a colleague in the data privacy area. Uh, what do you think his response will be? And will he take a judicial appeal again? I think he probably will. His, uh, his instant reaction on social media was a picture of a pig with lipstick on it. And I think we can gauge from that what his view is. Uh, he's made the point, which I've made, that we haven't seen the final version uh, of this agreement yet. There is, a, a, as I say, an, an agreement to agree rather than an agreement itself. And uh, But Schrem said almost immediately, subject to that caveat, that he'd want to analyze it in depth. He'd want to discuss it with the U.S. legal team that's uh, assisted Schrems. But he's saying that it is likely that either his group or another group will likely challenge it. And he thinks that there this time could be an expedited procedure, which could get them back before the ECJ within months. I'm not sure that that's the case, unless it can be sort of joined up to some other uh, referrals that have been made uh, to the ECJ. People have tried to sort of short circuit the process by using a slightly different procedure in the past, but that hasn't really worked. I think my gut feel is it might take 18 months to two years from the new deal being signed to the court hearing uh, a challenge. And there's obviously a potential additional issue uh, which might be a challenge not to the EU courts, but to the US courts. And obviously, I'm not qualified to talk about US law, but we've been interested in the FBI uh, and Fazaga case, which suggests that it's quite hard to challenge uh, US government surveillance matters in the US courts. And if that's the case, that might pull the rug from under Safe Harbor 3's feet uh, before the ink is dry. So I think it is a challenge, and I think, regrettably, there's an enhanced and elongated period of uncertainty for any U.S. corporation, particularly 
with EU operations, and particularly those that are trialling to deal with um, uh, HR data on a cross-border basis. Jonathan, given the potential for uh, judicial disruption of this down the road, are you or Cordery uh, counselling clients uh, on what to do to at this time, or are you still having to take a wait-and-see approach before you come out with uh, more advice than you posted on the Cordery website to date? Well, I, I think it is largely a wait-and-see, but we know that some things are likely to remain. So, what what some people call, or what we've called in the past, the double due diligence test. We've talked about it on these podcasts. The need to do due diligence against the party you're sending data to, and then secondly, against the jurisdiction where that data is going to. I think that will remain. So, if you are trying to set up a global HR system, you're going to have to do due diligence on the provider. And then a second piece of due diligence on the location where they will host that data, the locations that they'll access it from. So I think that is going to be a constant. Any new deal, I think, will have some element of that double due diligence process. And um, I, I, but, but I guess, as I say, I think I wouldn't hold on for Safe Harbor 3, and I probably wouldn't rely on it. I think we will get some vendors try and say, all of this is going to be great because Penn and Teller's magic wand will cure this all. Uh, and um, I, I don't know whether uh, the, the European Commission get to be Penn and Biden gets to be Teller in this scenario or vice versa. But I don't think that uh, Safe Harbor 3 will be the silver bullet. And I know we've had this discussion about films before. You know, rarely is the sequel better than the first one in the franchise. Um, Paddington might be an exception. I know some people make a case for The Godfather, but I'm not sure that will be the case with Save Harbor 3. I can't see it lasting longer than Save Harbor did. Well, I think uh, we will be continuing to watch this and we will be podcasting on this uh, further down the road, Jonathan. Thank you, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of Life with GDPR, and I hope you'll join Jonathan Armstrong and myself again on this podcast series. I hope you will check out the latest edition to the Compliance Podcast Network, Presidential Leadership Lessons for Today's Business Leader, which has premiered on the Compliance Podcast Network. Also check out Design Thinking in Compliance, where Karsten Tams and myself continue our exploration of how you can use the social engineering tool of design thinking to increase the engagement and effectiveness of your compliance program. Life with GDPR is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.